0: This is the Mark Dolan Way. Top tips for mind, body and soul, some great life hacks and my favourite products of the week. This show is available on all podcast platforms or you can watch it. Just subscribe to the Mark Dolan Way on YouTube and join the Facebook group. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the show. I hope you are very well. Would you like a formula that unlocks success? Here we go. Hard work, consistency and time. That's it. That is as guaranteed to deliver success as gravity is guaranteed to pull an apple from the tree. So let's just go through it. Hard work that costs nothing. That doesn't require talent. It's not God given. You don't have to be lucky. You don't have to be born in the right place. Hard work is in the gift of every single human being. It's a free skill. You don't even have to go to school or college to acquire it. It's just there in the hard drive, an available resource, hard work. Consistency, that costs nothing as well. You don't need an education for that. You don't need privilege for that. You just stick with it. That means that if you're training, you go every week, every Thursday, bang, 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 consistent, consistent. What you don't want to do is go 10 times in two weeks and then nothing for six months. Once a week, every Thursday, forever. And you go and smash it when you're there. Hard work, consistency and then time. Now, time is out of your hands. That is a resource beyond your control. The reason why time is in that equation is because the hard work and the consistency require that time. They require that window of time in which to deliver the goods. And what are those goods? Success. So there you go. That is your three element equation for success. Hard work, consistency and time. Easy peasy. What a dream. And it costs you nothing. Hard work, consistency and time. You're welcome. So, um, listen, lots to talk about. um, I mean, I'm in an okay mood, a little bit grumpy as well. And I feel sorry for the people around me when I'm grumpy. So I had a little situation at the opticians. And have you had this thing where, you know, when there's a shop or something and the person in the shop is somebody that you've known for a long time. You've been a really regular customer. And they just treat you differently because you're a regular. They treat you like a friend. And so they offer a bit of discretion. I can say that a while ago, a couple of years ago, I got, I think, got some glasses from this optician. And the manager lady, who's very nice, she's like, you know what, I'll give you a staff discount on that. So she gave me her staff discount on the glasses. You know, I didn't expect it. I wasn't looking for it, but... It's just the kind of thing that you do when, when when you've got a regular, I think. My dad, who ran a pub for many years, very successfully in Camden in North London, he was very good at working out who the regulars were. And then every so often he would just give them a free round, you know, so they'd, they'd put their drinks order in, and we'd a couple of gin and tonics, a pint of lager, a pint of Guinness, you know, that's all. And then they would reach to their wallets to pay. And my dad would say, no, you're you're all right. And he actually had this sort of uh ledger in his head this this um sort of running update in his head he just knew when he had last done that a log he had a mental log subconsciously of when it was time to give a regular a free round you know he didn't he didn't write it down the little notebook he didn't it wasn't as formal as that just every so often he'd be like you know what they're a good customer they spend a lot of money in this pub Uh, I'll shout them around. It's a very, very good psychology. It's a clever thing to do. If you're in business, especially if you're in retailer or anything like that, then do, do, do um, try that technique. Love bomb your regulars and just give them the occasional treat that they're not expecting because it will just engender this amazing loyalty. Really good for the relationship. In any business, you've got to look after the regulars because although they don't always splash the cash, it's just that Money that's coming in little and often that you can rely upon. You know, those people will be there for you on the rainy Tuesdays when no one else is interested. In the pub business, for example, in the summer when the weather's good, if you've got a beer garden, that's amazing. You've got huge numbers of people flowing through the pub, buying drinks, buying food, making loads and loads of money. Brilliant, you know. But what about that kind of cold Tuesday when there's no one around and then it's just your regulars? It's old gym and barbara and bobby just coming in for their usual they don't drink much they don't spend a lot of money but they're there they fill the place up and they are they're there when things are not not so kind of um you know not so rosy it's the same with you whatever business you've got you've got regulars who just keep things ticking over for you keep you busy it's a good thing when i started in broadcasting I used to have little regular gigs on the radio, local radio, rubbish. I was paid £25 per appearance, 25 quid. I think I had to get up at four in the morning to do it, like a paper review type thing. But I did four of those a month. So that's £100. It's not nothing, is it? Every little helps, baby. But I looked after that gig because then I got more valuable gigs that were coming in. But I still got up at four in the morning. I still did that, did that 25 quid gig because... It was another thing. And I remember that from my stand up time, my stand up period when I would have these gigs and they would pay very little. Sometimes the promoter would apologize for paying so badly. And I'd say, don't worry about it. You know, 15 pounds is more than nothing that covers my petrol and a chicken from Waitrose on the way home. I've fed the family. It's a beautiful thing. So don't be looking that gift horse in the mouth. Small amounts of work, clients that are not so spendthrift are just as valuable as the ones who splash the cash, because often the people with the lower budget will be there when the others are not. Plus, they, they're they the ones that got you started. And when I do a gig, by the way, if I do an event or I do a gig, whether I'm being paid a lot of money or Very, very little. I give it the same commitment. They get the five star service every time. Always, 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 always. By the way, just popped in. This just popped into my head. I thought I'd share this with you. Uh, Practice makes perfect. We know that it's such a cliche. And the reason why it's such a cliche is because it's so true. Practice makes perfect. I try to practice things that I want to do. Practice. Practice languages if i've written something for a broadcast i read it through several times i practice it and i remember learning this at school when i did drama with my excellent drama teacher by the way i tend not to name figures from my past even if it's positive because i'd love to tell you the name of my drama teacher and what a great guy he was but you definitely don't want to name people if you're being critical because that's just like not very nice is it you don't want to kind of dredge up the past but i'm not sure i also want to drag people who are in my past who i'm very fond of i don't want to drag them into the spotlight either talking about them on the podcast and then someone looks them up on the internet and you know so actually whether i'm being nice or being horrid i tend to just keep the names out of it but maybe if this guy is listening he'll know exactly who he is i mean let me just say he was my drama teacher at secondary school Absolute legend, bit of a character, quite unpc PC in a very refreshing way. He was he was, um, you know, fearless and a bit naughty, which I think is always a good thing. I mean, those are two key themes of this show. Are they not fearless and a bit naughty? I want you to be fearless and I want you to be a bit naughty. This is naughty. Everything's naughty. The best stuff is the best people are naughty. You know, you don't break the law, but you're just a little bit. Uh-uh, do it rules are there to be broken anyway where was this going it's important oh yes practicing so anything that you're doing in life that's important let's say you've got to make a speech practice it if you have been asked to take on a new responsibility at work and it involves working with let's say with a computer that you're not used to a program or whatever Rather than just use office hours, go the extra mile when you're at home, fire up the program and in your own time, just practice it. And then you let's say that there's just some Photoshop software that you're not really all that familiar with, but you just teach it to yourself and you practice it and you trial and error and that sort of thing. Well, then you've given yourself the edge over your colleagues, haven't you? Because you practice using Photoshop and you just spent more time than you necessarily had to and there was expected of you but suddenly you become a whiz at photoshop now that's not some kind of god-given talent it's not a fluke it's just the fact that you sat down and you taught it to yourself and you practiced practice makes perfect the more golf you play the better you're going to get the more that you practice a language whatever it is that you do everything is about repetition about practice and that's somewhere um, i was just going to get to my brilliant ex-drama teacher from secondary school and he pointed out that the french word for rehearsal is repetition which i think it doesn't take a genius to work out is repetition so the french consider a rehearsal to be repeating And I thought that was very good and it stayed with me. And so in life, if you're looking to develop a skill, you just repeat, 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 repeat. The other thing that this guy taught me was that you give everything in rehearsal. Okay, there's a temptation, isn't there, to leave a little bit in the tank if you're practicing something. You leave it in the tank in reserve for the big one when it actually happens. So in the case of... Let's say you're acting, you 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 rehearse at sort of like 75% effort with the idea that when it comes to the show, you'll give 100%. But his view was, no, when you're practicing something, when you're rehearsing, you actually give it 100%. You give it like the performance level, because that way, when you do the show, the muscle memory is there that you automatically go to a top level, because that's how you practiced it. And his argument is if you practice it at 75 percent, then you'll be giving 75 percent for the big show. It's an illusion that you'll rise to the occasion. And in fact, you will underperform. So if you actually leave it all in the field, leave it, leave everything on the pitch in the rehearsal. It means that you've just established another threshold below which you will not fall. Um, And there's another point to that in relation to performance but it's true by the way for anything like a business meeting you name it you're pitching a product to someone when you go out there for the big actual show you've been doing your rehearsals when you do the big show there are things out of your control that are going to diminish your performance okay so let's say you're in a meeting and you've been practicing your pitch and you've practiced to 100% you've given it your all whilst practicing when you come to do it it's still going to bring you down to about 85%. And the reason why is because you go into the room and it's very hot in there and you're sweating slightly. And then the lights are too bright and giving you a slight headache. And then there's all these people staring at you very judgmentally. And the microphone isn't quite loud enough. And there's all these things that are being thrown in your direction. And what they do is they diminish your performance. Okay a bit of nerves as well of course it's going to come into play so even if you've been practicing 100% when you come to do it it gets knocked it gets knocked down to about 75 80% anyway so it's very lucky that you practice at 100 because in the end it was 75 when you were out in the field of battle but if you'd practiced at 75 in those conditions the actual performance is going to be at 50% you see it's just the race to the bottom so whatever you're doing, loads of practice over and over again, ad nauseum, tedious. I'm sick of this material now. I've read this company report 77 times. We'll read it 78 times so that you're physically nauseous. You're sick of it. You're So bored enough already. <laughs> thanks, but no thanks. Anyway, great believer in that. It is a marvellous thing. By the way, wasn't that great earlier? Hard work, consistency and time. You can do that, can't you? You don't need a college degree. Hard work, consistency, time. Jobs are good. Friend of mine has that on a T-shirt. Isn't that brilliant? Hard work, consistency and time. You can do that. It's perfect. Now, oh yeah, so I forgot to say. So I was in the middle of this story about... I went to the optician anyway, and they always look after me and I've got a good customer. And the other big thing, by the way, is that when you're a very regular customer, you do have something in the bank, don't you? You've got this credibility, you've got this goodwill, so that if there's a problem, like let's say you're a regular, let's say you're there's a fashion shop and you regularly buy clothes there. And let's say it's an independent fashion shop run by a woman called, a very glamorous woman called Marjorie. Let's imagine that you buy a dress, and you've been seeing Marjorie for years, um, you buy a dress, it doesn't quite fit, but you don't bring it back within the four weeks, it's actually five and a half weeks, so you've missed the returns window, Marjorie's not going to have a problem with that, is she? Marjorie's like, don't worry about it, it's fine, I'll, I'll put it back on sale, here's your money back, absolutely, but here's what really bothers me, you know when you're a regular in a shop, and then Marjorie isn't there, and it's just some other sort of deputy or a new person who doesn't know that you've been going there for years, who doesn't know that you've spent a lot of money in the shop, who doesn't know that you've been treated very well in a very special way by Marjorie, and now there's a guy called Ian, and you want to bring the dress back, and Ian goes, "Oh no, I'm afraid you've missed the um, you've missed the uh, the window for returns by a week and a half," and you're like, "Yeah, but 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 Marjorie's Marjorie, she'll she'll." look after it marjorie's gone she's left she's left the company and this is company policy now it's just the worst i hate it so i pride myself on having a good relationship with the security guards in offices where i work and the reason why is because first of all it's very nice of them to be security guards to protect us keep the building safe keep us safe very helpful in in the event of a fire also let's say there's a package you're you're waiting for you can say hey ray um i'm I'm waiting for a package to arrive maybe would you let me know when it when it comes or something you know you need you need goodwill from security guards they are the literal gatekeepers of a building and um a it's nice to be nice they're very often underpaid and work long unsociable hours They get treated like rubbish by most people. So I love bomb the security guards and I appreciate them. I find out what they're called. I talk to them about their lives. They talk to me about, I talk to them about my life and it's a beautiful thing. I consider them my friends. And isn't it that thing where one day you come in and none of your regular security guard mates are there, but just some guy called Spencer, who's new. And you're like, oh, Spencer, I, I work here, but I've, I've left my pass at home. Oh, you shan't be able to enter the building without your pass, sir. When I, I work here all the time, just ask any of the other guy. ask ask Ray. Ray's left the company, sir. Yeah. You know, so it is the way you must have had that, where you've got a regular rapport with someone in a shop or in a business or whatever, some venue, someone that pulls pints at your local pub but there's just that little bit of an understanding that you're a good customer you're loyal and that you're in the circle of trust and then it's anyway that happened to me today in the the opticians very nice people there's not criticism at all but i'm just looking for an old frame that they don't make anymore and it's very expensive if they're gonna commission another one pretty sure that the person that Normally looks after me, would have probably done me a little favor, but obviously not with this new under new management thing. That's not happening. And I just felt like my years and years of being a customer at this opticians were not acknowledged in the exchange. I just felt like I could be a new customer. I've probably been going there for 10 years now, eight years, a long, long time, bought a lot of frames off them but just nothing no acknowledgement of that nothing in the bank just a new customer a rational exchange it's just um i'm a commodity i'm a resource that they wish to tap into and no kind of oh yeah don't worry you're looking for that old frame we'll sort something out you know what i mean that's the, that, that, you get that with people that know you well don't you i will sort something don't worry don't you worry We'll order the frame we'll sort something out. You're a good customer. But no, didn't have that today. But you know what you've got to do? Today I had to. Oh, and then another thing was crazy, right? My lovely missus. She needs some prescription sunglasses and her prescription is all on the system. Last time this happened a few years ago for her birthday, i went to this opticians and i said listen she likes these frames so can i please pay for you to um can i buy these frames and i want you to put her prescription that you've got on file her prescription and the frames and then i'm going to give it to her as a present so like yeah yeah sure yeah that'll cost cost this amount of money very reasonable by the way and um So I basically paid for these frames and then I got a message like five days later going, um, your wife's frames are ready for collection. So then I went and collected them, wrapped them, gave them as a gift. Isn't that amazing? Prescription sunglasses as a gift. Beautiful thing. So anyway, she needs a replacement prescription sunglasses. I said, listen, you've got my wife's prescription. Um, Can I order a pair of glasses for her with the prescription sunglasses? Anyway, no, she'd need to be here, sir. And they basically, they refused to um, let me just buy her some prescription glasses. She's been a customer there for years. I've been, But this person that I'm talking to is new. She's like a kind of assistant manager type. Doesn't know my history. And said something about the rules have changed and about how the prescription is a medical document or something. I mean, this is not bloody... It's not open heart surgery, is it? Let's be honest. It's a pair of ray bands. not actually ray bands. It's more budget offering than that. But you get my point. Anyway, it was annoying. So I said, that's no problem. I'll just get her in and it won't be a surprise. And but what I had to do, folks, is I had to deploy the chimp management model now do you remember this the chimp paradox is that excellent book by professor steve peters and it teaches you to manage your emotions i just gave a friend a copy of that book this week and it will change her life and if you haven't read it it will change your life there is a whole show on it from this podcast a few shows ago by the way this is very exciting it is episode 40 Of the Mark Dolan way. And there's only one reason why it's episode 40 and why that's happened. And that is thanks to you. Because I have a very loyal, wonderful audience. So thank you. Remarkably consistent. Growing slightly. What's not to like? And I feel I've got a lot of regulars here. There's a lot of regulars who pitch up every week. And I'm going to look after you. You are getting the special Dolan treatment, okay? You are the five-star red carpet the big kahuna just for you so here's episode 40 that's a lot isn't it that is certainly 35 it's over 30 hours of me waffling on and here's to the next 40 you're welcome but what i had to do is um so so do do have a listen to that chimp paradox episode because it's brilliant and if you did enjoy it listen again because the the book is great and i try to instill and convey what's in it without you having to read it although if you really want the full you know effect i would recommend you get the book but i give you the basics and i've interviewed professor steve peter's an absolute gentleman it was quite funny because there was a guest on who got quite aggressive with him she was very religious and he had to actually keep his cool he had to think about his own chimp management on my show anyhow i had to deploy that And I just thought to myself, I'm very annoyed that I'm a regular customer and there's no concession being made. I'm paying full price for everything. By the way, you must think I'm such a prima donna, but it just felt different. It didn't. I didn't feel like, you know, this guy's a regular customer and I feel I've earned it. Okay and i think if you are a regular customer in some shop that you use i think you've earned it too and i think it's very sad when that when you don't feel that way when it doesn't feel like that but I had to in my head i had to think to myself this person is simply following the rules she there's nothing that she said that is not a fact such as my wife's prescription is a medical document and They have changed the rules, perhaps. And maybe it is odd that you can just go and buy someone prescription glasses without them knowing. And what if her eyes have changed and et cetera, et cetera. So, in fact, there's nothing. There's no aspect of that exchange in which that person has been bad or incompetent or even unkind. They've literally just been doing their job. So whilst I was mightily irritated by the whole exchange, I completely. In my head, I just thought nothing you can do about this. The person doesn't know you. They don't know your history. It's not her fault. She's literally doing her job. So it's the same thing with if you get a parking ticket. Let's say the person is writing the note, writing the ticket as you arrive back at your vehicle. There's no point getting angry with them. It's not personal. They've not singled you out. They're doing their job. And what you have to do is just go, okay, you accept the ticket. And then maybe if you feel you've got a case, then you can appeal it in writing, which is always worth doing. But otherwise, you just accept it. Acceptance is everything. So I accepted it and I will bring my wife to the optician to get her glasses and I will probably need to get them to make me this frame of this. Basically, I've got this frame, which is um, what I wear, this shape. I feel it suits my face and they're going to have to basically make it and it costs double what a normal frame would cost. It's actually a good value optician so it's not horrific but it is quite literally double <laughs> literally double a standard frame but I've just accepted that um I've had to and there's nothing I can do about it and that's okay and it wasn't even her fault and I'll be very I was I was perfectly pleasant um and I'll be perfectly pleasant again and there you are right now listen what do we need to do do what works I think I've done this before, but I don't mind repeating things because I think there's a few things that you just must remember. And if there's something in your life and it just works, then do it. If you've got a boiler, I've got a boiler. OK, and about in the winter when it's on. Probably about once every couple of days, it starts being really noisy and goes. Mm, <w contemporary 911> like, like that. Mm, <makes pain mycket code> <be> <travaille> Now, I'm not interested in getting a plumber in because it will cost eight million pounds and the boiler still works. Even when it's going <laughs> all of that, Right? given it large, it still works. It still delivers hot water. And so what I do is I switch it off and I switch it on again and then it just doesn't do that. It right, just makes it go quiet. So do what works. And I don't need a plumber. I can just turn it on and off every couple of days. That's fine. That's a lot less than eight million pounds, which is what a plumber would cost. Quite funny if you find out, you read in the paper that I've, my boiler is blown up. Um, and I've been a casualty of it. And have ignored the noisy knockings from it. But no, um, do what works for some reason when i eat early i feel good the next day and if i eat late such as nine ten o'clock i feel rubbish the next day so i just don't eat late do what works i mean i could go to the doctor and i could say why do i feel so terrible after eating later in the evening and they could run tests and all sorts of other stuff but it's like well when you eat late you feel rubbish and when you eat early you don't don't do i've got this really weird thing where i I try not really to have fluids after about four or five in the afternoon because, again, I don't know why. It just affects my quality of sleep, strangest thing ever. But the thing is, I could, again, I could get that analysed. But it's like if I just don't, if I don't drink lots of liquids in the afternoon, evening, then I'm fine. So I just do what works. I don't need to understand why. Who cares why? So I get all my hydration in the morning. I start, if you're interested, I start with a coffee. I have filter coffee, I make a load of filter coffee, like a litre of it, and it goes in the fridge in a carafe with a cork on the top, and then what I do when it's time for coffee in the morning, I pour a centimetre of that coffee into my big mug, and then I add boiling water, I then, then add milk, double cream, and almond milk, mix it all together. So the almond milk gives it a kind of nice nutty texture, then the whole milk, just makes it a bit milky which I like changes the color of it goes to that lovely kind of caramel brown and then the double cream adds texture and richness it's a lovely drink weak is very weak but that's how I like it so weak coffee double cream milk almond milk so I have that and I have that with a couple of squares of sugar-free dark chocolate from a brilliant company called carb zone c-a-r-b-z-o-n-e which i can highly recommend in fact they do a range of low carbohydrate products this show is a low carb show i'm not a doctor i'm not an expert if you're going to change your diet please consult a physician but i cut the carbs and lost three stone insulin is the main fat storage hormone of the body carbohydrates spike insulin so when insulin is low you burn fat And it disappears from your body. And when it's high, you store fat and you get fatter and you don't lose weight. So if you cut the carbs, you lose weight. It's beautiful. Bread, rice, potatoes, pasta, sugar, beer. Um, There's a whole episode on low carb. Do check it out. But that's my breakfast. And it just works. I then have a glass of sparkling water after my coffee. And after my two squares of sugar-free chocolate and i'm just loving it i get the bit of caffeine and then lots of hydration and i just feel good and i'm energized and i'm ready to go about my day and then i have lunch so i kind of skip breakfast and i have lunch and i have early dinner so i eat in a time window of i mean i might have the first food at one and then second one at six thirty, seven. latest job done if I am socialising and eating with others at, let's say, eight or nine, I will just have less. And then I don't have a problem. But you do what works. So that is my advice to you. Whether it's a situation at work, in your business, in your family life, you don't have to analyse why. It just it just works. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. Wearing green pyjamas, you sleep better than wear the green pyjamas. It's just simple, isn't it? It is very simple. Um, I'm very much enjoying... Arnold Schwarzenegger's book which is called Be Useful it's his self-help book we talked about it last week and I'm mentioning it again I would urge you to buy it there's no way I can distill everything that he said from the book into this podcast but um, I will give you another little thing which is that um, he talks about seek out pain seek suffering because everyone runs away from pain everyone runs away from suffering they just want comfort they want to feel good in their little bubble but the people in the top five percent who get everything that we all want they're the ones who develop an appetite for discomfort an appetite for pain an appetite for suffering and so that immediately creates an aristocracy of people who are separate from everyone else they're the ones who can stomach it jerry seinfeld talk about find the torture that you find acceptable make that your torture choose your form of torture and for him it was going on stage and doing comedy and and trying out new material and writing new material, which is laborious and boring and painful and soul destroying. And it is torture, but it's a torture that he's comfortable having. And he goes out there with his new jokes and sometimes they don't laugh and it's very uncomfortable. And then that's life, but it's how he gets better. So he talks about seek out pain, seek suffering. And then there's just a really, really good line, which is a mic drop line. And I think it's, It's nearly as good as my line about hard work, consistency, and time. It's nearly as good as that. Arnold's is nearly as good as that. And it is. Pain means growth. How good is that? Because he sees everything through the prism of bodybuilding, because, of course, he was Mr. Universe. And when he was doing, in the gym, doing his reps, which is, you know, essentially, let's say you're lifting something and you you lift it up with your arms, that's the rep, right? That's repetition it's a bit like the acting thing earlier isn't it but yeah so you do your exercise you're on this machine you're lifting some heavy weights going up and down up now really slowly very heavy very hard the harder it gets the more pain the more discomfort the more growth so he actually developed this sort of erotic pleasure around being in pain because he knew that the more tired he was the more pain in his muscles the more struggle the more discomfort The more growth, pain means growth. Three words that you should probably get tattooed onto your arm or tattooed onto your forehead, written the wrong way around so that when you're looking at a mirror, you can read it. Hard work, consistency time. Pain means growth. How good is that? Pain means growth. I'm buzzing. I just can't believe what a mic drop that is. Pain means growth. I can't repeat it too much because it's so valuable to you. This is like, imagine we're sort of exploring oil fields in Saudi Arabia. You drill into that one and it's just an explosion of black gold. It just doesn't get better than pain means growth. Now, how are we doing for time we are just going to pause briefly while I pop some um, dinner on for the family now I honestly don't know why I tell you that I'm pausing the podcast to put dinner on because with the wonders of modern technology and editing you'd never know but um, there you go I've told you anyway I've broken the fourth wall the mystery the dark mystery of this podcast I do love that pain means growth. I don't think you need anything else at all by way of guidance. A couple of other things. You learn a lot about what you need to do based upon what other people do. So I'm in broadcasting and that is competitive. And you've got to push yourself forward, which I'm rubbish hats and but then you have these other people that are very good at putting themselves forward and i noticed something which is on my own show there have been some people that came on right they really wanted to come on the show they came on the show and they were great and i was happy with what they did and i'm more than happy to have them back but they don't ask to come back now, I know they'd want to, but it's amazing how many people just think, oh, well, I haven't been asked back. So that one must have gone away. They sort of they're self-defeating about it. And yet there's a handful of people that will come on and do well. And then what they'll do is they'll slide into my DMs on Twitter and they'll say, hey, really enjoy being on the show. Can I come back? And they're persistent. And those are the people that wind up on the show because they ask to come back and they pester me or they pester my producer. And in order to have a quiet life, my producer's like, yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, you can come back. But there's also good people who we've maybe even had on a few times. And then we sort of forget about them because out of sight, out of mind. And then it just occurred to me like, wait a minute, what about that person that was on? Like, It's been over a year, I think, since we last had them on the show. And they just think they've been dropped. They think they've been let go, but it isn't. It's just that they weren't persistent and didn't remind us of their existence. So I'm always amazed by good people that are not persistent and that do not knock on my door. And that's a reminder to me that I should knock on other people's doors because I'm a bit like them. So let's say I get sort of used on some show or some other thing. And then they they have me on a couple of times and then they don't call again. I just think, oh, that one's gone away. It was like, no, I should be in touch with them going, hey, when are you having me back? And who cares if they say no, if they say, oh, you're rubbish and we don't want you and you were a disaster last time, that's fine. At least I know. But they probably won't. They'll probably go, yeah, nice to hear from you. Go for it. But being persistent is the big thing. You know. You chase things because if, you know, it's always 5%, 5% of people that do that they are persistent and they just get you know they get they walk away with the spoils they get what they wanted and you don't and you're missing out because you're too bloody nice Uh, it's the same in a medical setting let's say you're there in the emergency department a and e and you haven't been seen for hours you just sit there like a lemon other people up And down out of their seat every ten minutes, speaking to reception, going, I've been here two hours now. I'm totally ill, or my son is completely ill. You need to do something. You need to do something. Those are the people that get seen. I know I have got friends who are medics, and they say, be a pain in the backside, and you'll be dealt with. Don't just sit there politely. And I mean, look, I'm not. I'm absolutely not recommending that you are abusive towards medical staff. Uh, They are overworked. They are exhausted. There's too much going on. So be super polite and don't be outrageous, but you are going to have to sort of be a little pushy at times. If you feel like, look, I've been sat here for three hours or, you know, I'm waiting for those test results, you can be a bit persistent and then you'll get treated better, I'm afraid. So it's just one of those truisms. It's uncomfortable because we're, especially in this country, the UK, we're very polite. I sit there for hours and I just take it on the chin. But, but really, you you shouldn't. Um, I did a bit of medicine on myself. Please never do this. Please, please never do this. Don't do this. It's bad. It's dangerous. But I burnt my finger on. I've got a pot which I heat my coffee in in the morning. It goes on the hob. And I'd forgotten that it was on and I picked it up. And it scorched my finger. It burned my finger. A couple of days later, I had a blister. And I opened the blister because otherwise it just is this horrible bubble. I actually bit it. I bit the blister open. And so you bite the skin and then it just leaks out. It's a salty water. Have you ever done that? Have you ever opened a blister? Salty water inside? I've been doing that for years. I've been doing that since I was a kid. And then what happens is that loose skin just kind of glues itself to the next layer of skin, and I find it heals. Please don't do this, but I, what, I've, what I've been doing for years. But anyway, I was a bit unlucky this week because I did that. I burnt it, and then it was a big puffy blister. I bit it, the salty water came out, no problem. But then last night, I woke up, and my finger was aching and throbbing, and I looked down, and it was sort of infected. Oh, dear. And it's exactly where the burn was, you know, and so somehow something's got into it. It's been contaminated, but it was not a happy finger. So I went downstairs and I got a. Do not do this, please. Just don't do it. I got a safety pin and I pricked it a couple of times and the kind of. A little bit of infection, a little bit of yellowy, pussy fluid sort of flowed out. I squeezed it, emptied it. And then I put antiseptic cream on. I used Savlon, but there are lots of options. But Savlon is pretty simple. Put Savlon on top. I cleaned it first, then I put Savlon on top. And then I actually wrapped medical tape around it so that the Savlon would actually stay connected to the wound you know it's like really like sitting on it by the way you're not supposed to put saddle on 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 anything that's cut either so that's another thing you're not supposed to do which I did anyway I'm very pleased myself as I woke up in the morning having gone back to bed and it was um, not throbbing anymore and now it's on the mend and I did medicine on myself but please don't do that but I did do medicine on myself the most satisfying story of a wound being opened was when I was in spain on holiday about 20 years ago southern spain andalusia which is a beautiful region it's got lots of nice places in it it's got ronda which is a massive gorge it's a huge sort of valley and we stayed in a hotel right on the edge of the gorge it was very nice granada which is a busy buzzing city which has the alhambra in it which is a moorish temple You've got Malaga, which is basically it's the seaside and also it's just a hub. It's a city and it's normally where you fly in. Then you've got Seville, famous for oranges and just absolutely gorgeous place. A really nice trip. Hired a car. I think the car hire was something like £15 a day. Those were the days when things were cheap. Good trip, but I got an infected finger when I was there and it was so bad that when I was sleeping at night, I had to actually hold my finger in the air like a, like a kind of kid in the classroom. I had to lie there in bed with my hand in the air because if my hand came close to my chest, it would start beating, it had its own pulse. But if I held it in the air, it took the pressure off and then it wouldn't throb. How terrible is that? Imagine trying to sleep under those circumstances with your arm in the air It was a disaster. Anyway, well, a bit of a palaver, right? Because I went to this, um, to the state. uh, I went to the hospital. The equivalent of the National Health Service Hospital, the free hospital. And um, I sat there for six hours and just no one saw me. It was a disaster. Much worse than here in the UK, I would argue. So I actually just left and then I had a horrible night, worst night with this throbbing finger. And then the next morning I went to the hotel reception. I said, is there anything we can, you know, I wasn't seen at the hospital. Can I go anywhere? And they went, oh yeah, there's a private clinic next door. And I'm like, you know what? I'm desperate. I am so desperate. So I went in and I said, how much is a consultation? And they went like, it was about 50 pounds or something. I'm, I'm in a difficult situation here. I don't want to get like septicemia and die. So, um, I paid the money. It was absolutely amazing. I went in, there was no queue because it was all private, and lovely, and privileged and unequal. And I went in, I was literally with the doctor within five minutes. And he looked, he said, Yeah, it's all infected. And um, it was a big bump and it was throbbing and it was red. You actually couldn't see the pus. It was really red, but clearly infection inside. And he took this spray out, which is like this ice spray. Sort of freezes it. So he sprayed this ice onto my wound. He then took a scalpel, a really sharp scalpel, and he cut into it. And when he cut into it, the pus just exploded. It literally just burst out. It flew into the air, the pressure, and immediately all the pain was gone. It was just, it felt so good. It's release of pressure. It was just like that. It just popped out, and bang, all my problems were solved. And the holiday was just a beautiful thing. Now, I'm just trying to see if I got, um, yeah, I've got a scar. Well, listen, you're quite privileged if you're watching on YouTube, because um, you might be able to see it. Oh, I can show you the uh, blister as well. Wait one second. My, My camera, the camera is kind of like focusing on my face rather than the finger. Anyway, that's the blister, which I think you'll agree is healing nicely. If you're watching on YouTube. And then this is the scar. I'll do a little circle around it so you can see. I'm going to draw a blue circle around it. Can you see? It's quite hard to see, isn't it? Sorry, it's not really working with the camera. Oh. Oh. (laughs) I'm not cut out for this. And there you go. Yeah, can you just see? Come on. Oh, there you go. Do you see that sort of little white line going across? That's the scar from the scalpel opening the infected finger. But it was very satisfying. And I'm proud of the scar. It's a lovely thing. Scars are good, you know. They represent battles that you have survived. What's not to like? And he gave me a course of antibiotics. And the rest of the holiday was really great. Because I didn't have an achy finger anymore. And it was actually worth it. It was worth getting the infection just for that moment of pleasure of the pressure being released and the joy of watching. I mean, I don't know if you agree with me, but watching pus coming out of things is amazing. If I was a doctor, I would be I'd like to specialize in just pus. I would like to be the pus doctor where my job is to sort of open things and pus comes out. Oh, my God. There is a woman that does that on the internet. She's called the Pimple Popper, I think. Amazing. So satisfying. There you go. Look, it's been very satisfying talking to you. How are we doing for time? 47. Um, I think that covers us today, to be honest with you. Really enjoyed your company. Thank you so much for helping me celebrate 40 glorious episodes. Um, we'll catch up next week and I'll bring you some more gold from Arnold Schwarzenegger. But the only thing I will tell you about Schwarzenegger, you know, you would like maybe you I'm guessing you would like to have his amazing success. He was a bodybuilder, an actor and a politician, and he achieved the very top of each of those three things. And none of it was a gift. It was all hard work, consistency and time. And his big thing is about having a clear vision in your head of what you want. Clear picture. So if you are, let's say you're going to the gym. If your target is to um, fit into the suit that fitted you when you got married, it doesn't fit you at the moment. You're too overweight and you want to fit back into that suit. If you've got that goal, you will achieve it because if you're focused on that vision of fitting into that suit, that will drive you and you will seek out the work. And the pain and the discomfort in order to reach that goal. And he said that when he was doing that weightlifting, when it was uncomfortable and he's exhausted and everyone else, everyone else has gone home, he's still so excited because he knows that every time he lifts that weight, every rep, he's getting closer to achieving his goal, to achieving that vision. So he actually loved it and he sought out the pain. He sought out the suffering and he understood the pain means growth so i want you this week to adopt that mantra in your head pain means growth seek discomfort because only five percent of people do and they're the ones that go away with the spoils hard work consistency and time i know you can do that and i know you will do that so can you please give me seven days of hard work consistency and time can you do that i know you can go and smash it and i'll see you in a week's time bye bye